The next stage of breakup grief, denial. So this is when you might have thoughts such as, they were the one. I've never connected like that with anyone before. Mm. Maybe we can work it out. Yeah. I Oh, yep. I don't want to block them in case they change their mind. Oh, man. I'll denial. We can still be friends. And they have mental health issues and I need to be there for them. Welcome to The X-Files, a podcast about breakups, broken hearts, and moving on. I'm Claire. And I'm Janice. We are breakup coaches, here to help you beat your breakup, heal your broken heart, and move on to an amazing, abundant life. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. We're excited to be speaking to your ears again, (laughs) uh, this time about stages of grief. If you want to speak with us more about stages of grief and more of a a two-sided back and forth uh, format instead of just a (laughs) one-sided, we lecture you on a podcast format, then go ahead and join our Patreon. This will give you the opportunity to ask us questions through that platform and tell us directly how you relate to what we're about to share. So get the link in our show notes and become an X-Files insider today. Yeah, I'm excited to grow that over the summer. We would, yeah, be excited to have you. It's either five or 10 bucks and it's going to be helping us a lot to expand our offerings. So please come and see us. And with that, let's get into it. So we are going to be speaking about the stages of grief today. And so I thought it would be good to start out with a few notes slash I guess disclaimers caveats if you will (laughs) um so before we begin I just wanted to make sure that we are clear that this is not necessarily a criticism of the stages of grief as researched and outlined and written about and talked about by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross this is an invitation to our amazing community to think about their journeys in a new way And it's also a statement of the unique nature of a broken heart. I haven't found that the stages of grief as commonly talked about today apply as much to breakups. Yeah. Um, So I thought it might be useful to maybe talk about unique stages of breakups. Um, And also I wanted to make sure to say the model is, or our model slash what we've come up with is based on empirical research and our experiences as coaches and individuals who have gone through multiple breakups we haven't, you know, done research or surveys. This is all things that we've observed. Yeah. And um, it is not meant to be prescriptive. We try really hard on X-Files not to say that you must do things this way or that things are always this way. Um, But, you know, this is just um, one way to look at it. And there's no right or wrong way to grieve. You might relate to some of what we say, you might not relate to any of it. (laughs) It might really hit home. Um, But we don't want anyone to feel like they're doing something wrong if they don't relate to all of it. Yeah. And I think um, as we get into things, we'll talk more about um, how that's that can be applied, not just to this new um idea of a model but also the old model as well so yeah yeah exactly and that's why one reason I wanted to do that is that I I know for me I I listen to people talk about the stages of grief as applied to things in my life and I'm like I just I don't know I don't 
I don't see that for myself. <laughs> so, but this I did, I did relate to personally. So yeah. we'll see um, what people think of it. All right. So history of the stages of grief, where did it come from? So the concept of the stages of grief was developed by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross in her 1969 book on death and dying. That's the title of that. And it's also what it's about. Yes. Um, <laughs> when Ross was a psychiatry resident, she noticed how little attention was given to the experience of patients who had been diagnosed with terminal illness. And this book is based on her work with patients as well as over 200 interviews that she did. Yep. I don't think a lot of people realize that it's based on a personal yes. experience, finding <laughs> out that you are probably going to die. Going to die. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not a big mystery. We are all going to die, mm -hmm. but sometimes it's sooner than you would yeah. like. Um, mm -hmm. And so the stages of grief were really about patients coming to terms with yeah. their own diagnosis. And I think one really important thing to realize about that is that the stages of grief would end because they would pass away. Mm. Um, and so as a, as a person with hopefully, you know, knock on wood, um, many, many years of life ahead of you, the stages of grief might not just end as they do. Um, yeah. And I'll you know, definitely get into why it might not necessarily apply to breakups as much. And that's, that's one reason for sure yeah. is that you guys are still out there. Yeah. Um, but still we'll, living. we'll definitely get into that. <laughs> yes. And that can make it, I don't know, more painful. I don't like to, you know, play the pain Olympics, yeah. but it can make it painful in a different way. I think. Yeah. And I think more cyclical because you'll go through the cycle many times in many different orders. Um, yeah. But and maybe found. you'll go back and forth. Which I, I think people exactly. who are diagnosed with terminal illness probably go back and forth they between do. stages yeah. as well. But yeah, but they um, generally end with acceptance. <laughs> um. <laughs> that you're dead. Yeah. You're like, oh. even if it's just a few minutes before, you know, you're like, okay, this is. Okay, so after Kubler-Ross came up with this theory, it really took off, yeah. um, which means I think a lot of people can resonate with it. And it's such a, you know, it's so embedded, especially in the American zeitgeist. You know, you hear this um, yeah. referred to all of the time. According to McGill.Canada, Despite the lack of evidence to back up the Kubler-Ross stage theory of grief, its original birthplace on death and dying has been cited 15,509 times on Google Scholar at the time of writing. And that's a lot it of has times. been applied. What was that? And that's a lot of times. Often <laughs> things we're citing have like maybe 20 citations, you know, mm. so. Wow, 15,000. It has been applied to everything from the grief process of those diagnosed with diseases like COPD or HIV to the grief experienced by caregivers of those with dementia, patients who have amputations due to diabetes, doctors who receive low patient satisfaction scores or go through reduced resident work hours, even, right. and I'm not making this up, the grief experienced by consumers after the iPhone was a disappointment. Excuse Ugh. me, the iPhone 5 was the a iPhone 5, yeah. So that's being applied to a wide range of experiences. 
experiences. Yeah. I think so, times were different when the iPhone 5 came out. We didn't have a global pandemic at the well, time. Well, we're going to come back to that actually yeah. as well um, because yeah. it's been applied to COVID. I have a great quote that we're going to share after yeah. we talk about the stages. So once again, I want to make sure to point out this isn't a criticism of the theory, um, but I also think it's important to point out that it doesn't make sense to apply it to breakups. Every single breakup is so unique. Every experience is unique. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know that, that it gels with me. Yeah. Um, so should we talk about what the stages of grief are as currently? Yeah. um, Let's as currently used. Let's describe each stage. So, um, the first off is denial. And this Mm -hmm. is when your first reaction, when you hear, or in the research, when a person hears you have a terminal illness, like this is the way things are. At this stage, individuals believe that the diagnosis is somehow mistaken and they cling to a false, preferable reality. Mm-hmm. Some may try to isolate themselves, um, especially to avoid others who have accepted what is happening. Mm-hmm. It's hard to be in denial if everyone around you is constantly telling you that yeah. you're in denial. <laughs> or yeah, I guess in this stage, um, as far as being diagnosed with a terminal illness, this is when you would be saying, you know, get a second opinion or, oh, that yeah. can't be right. Or, oh, so many other yeah. people live through it. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Or like, I can't really be that sick. Um, yeah. And just so everyone knows, I got these little snippets just from the wiki page because I really just wanted really concise explanations of each. Yeah. And this is, you know, one of the rare times that we'll quote directly um, from From Wikipedia, Wikipedia. but I thought they did a good job. We, what did we also, we used it, I think for the rebound episode as well, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we were like, yeah, some of the pages are really well done. And I thought this was one. I think so. Yeah. Um, Another stage is anger. So when the individual recognizes that denial cannot continue, they become frustrated, especially at proximate individuals. Certain psychological responses of a person undergoing this phase would be, why me? It's not fair. How can this happen to me? Who is to blame for this? Why would this happen? Some may lash out at loved ones, at medical staff, and at other family and loved ones. Yeah, lots of loved ones. <laughs> Moving on with stages of grief. This is one I think is misunderstood a lot. Bargaining. This is mm. the third stage of grief as outlined in On Death and Dying. The, cer- the third stage involves the hope that the individual can avoid a cause of grief. Usually, the negotiation for an extended life is made in exchange for a reformed lifestyle. Mm, People yeah. facing less serious trauma can bargain or seek compromise. Examples include the terminal terminally ill person who negotiates with God in order to attend a daughter's wedding and attempt to bargain for more time to live in exchange for a reformed lifestyle or a phrase such as if I could trade their life for mine. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bargaining. So the fourth stage of grief, depression. Mm-hmm. During the fourth stage, the individual despairs at the recognition of their mortality. In this state, the individual may become silent, refuse visitors, and spend much of the time mournful and sullen. 
Yeah. I really can't imagine being diagnosed with a terminal illness. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, that's, I can, I can understand that you would feel, feel that way. And of course, as I think most people know, the last stage is acceptance. And this is saying things like it's going to be okay, or I can't fight it, or I might as well prepare for it. In this stage, individuals embrace mortality or the inevitable future or that of a loved one or other tragic event. People dying may precede the survivors in this state, which typically comes with a calm, retrospective view for the individual and a stable condition of emotions. Hmm. As I was saying earlier, the stages of grief are extremely pervasive in American society. I heard it referenced um, in one of my favorite podcasts just last week, maybe even in reference to breakups. I'll have to think about that. It is still very much being used to describe the American consciousness. Ross herself said of the COVID pandemic, there's denial, which we saw a lot of early on thoughts like the virus won't affect us. Then there's anger. You're making me stay home and taking away my activities. There's bargaining. Okay, if I social distance for two weeks, everything will be better, right? There's sadness. I don't know when this will end. And finally, there's acceptance. This is happening. I have to figure out how to proceed. So, and that's just, that's a very recent quote by the author herself about the stages of grief. We have loved creating free and accessible healing resources for people around the world who are looking for support on their breakups, broken hearts, and moving on journeys. Each day, we receive DMs from many of you who have let us know the positive impact X-Files is making in your life. Our vision for the second year of our show is something that we both feel so completely. We are looking forward to continuing to share useful resources each week, but also expanding our offerings to help people go more deeply with their healing and growth. Part of our vision is expanding the connection with our community. And to do that, we are thrilled to be launching the X-Files Patreon. Growing this aspect of our community will allow us to keep creating great content for everyone each week and also start developing even more healing resources and support. We would love for you to be part of the first group of the X-Files patrons. So head to the link in the show notes now to sign up for either the $5 or the $10 level. And we will both be looking forward to connecting with you very soon. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why it has so much um so much recognition um especially in America where because I think these stages they do make sense. I think it's just um they're they're very broadly applied which yes. is outside of what the research it's interesting too that there has it doesn't seem like there's been too much research or like alternative theories this is just you know like this yeah. blanket thing that people have been using since the 60s yeah yeah it's so it's, yeah no one's ever i mean question did, where you think it of an alternative from? yeah 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 exactly right. yeah so how this might not apply to breakups it doesn't involve death or dying so there's that um 
for some people, a breakup might not even feel permanent at first. And mm-hmm. so, you know, a, a, a matrix that applies to something that is very permanent yes. might not work for something that mm-hmm. is, um, is not permanent mm-hmm. all the time. Right. <laughs> um, it is possible to take much more control over how you feel about the situation. Yeah. Yeah. What's Whereas if you or a family member is dying or dead, yeah, you know, like there's, I, I mean, there's not much you can really yeah. do about that. Whereas I feel yeah. like sometimes we don't really recognize how much power people have in changing the outcome of how they feel about a breakup. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the pain of a breakup is perceived as a physical pain. Mm-hmm. So that can, that can be different. Um, other reasons why breakups are so hard um, and that this might not apply. The separation from a person is permanent and yet that person is still living. They're still out there living life. And I think that's a very special type of pain because I think, mm-hmm. you know, in a breakup, you do, you are mourning a death of a person and the death of the third person of the relationship, which is the you and me shared yeah. the us. And, but um, that person's still out there. Mm-hmm. Um, a significant other is often the most significant person in your life. So this system was, was researched and theorized about a person coming to terms with their own mortality, not mourning the loss of another person. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And of course, some people internalize being broken up with, taking it as a rejection and end up defining themselves as unlovable or unattractive because of it. Mm-hmm. So basically the way that you view yourself can be completely altered and I think that that makes it really difficult for people to process and mm-hmm. heal because now you're also dealing with just completely shattered sense of, you know, self-worth. Yeah. Some people have their identity wrapped up in their relationships. Being, you know, stripped of this can be extremely unsettling and discombobulating for people and make it really hard to have perspective. Yeah. And of course, and I guess this would apply to many um, grieving processes, but the loss of the future you thought you had is very hard to come to terms with. Yes. I want everyone struggling with a broken heart to know that you are allowed to grieve and it is normal and natural to feel extreme feelings of hopelessness. So even if there wasn't a death involved, you're still allowed to be completely, you know, grief stricken. We hope that you will know that you can overcome the pain you feel, and it is possible to turn this into a great opportunity for growth and building a life you will love. So, and of course, while each breakup is unique, there are stages of healing that I have seen as common in the many people I've spoken with them about, including myself. (laughs) because working through the healing journey is so important and there are such important aspects of each. I thought it might be useful to outline what I have learned as a coach and someone who has been through more than one breakup. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to mention that I was 
thinking about this one night, I probably after having a full client week and probably something that I heard about the stages of grief as applied to breakups, I thought just didn't quite gel or even, you know, I know what it is now. Yeah. But I, I can't mention it on the air. Oh, um, yeah. All right, Some, yeah. Something that someone told me it's all coming back to me now. Like, gotcha. so fast. gotcha. <laughs> yeah. And I just thought, I just don't know if that is helpful at yeah. all. Yeah. And so I was thinking about it and thinking about it one night and it just came to me in the middle of the night. And I actually got up and wrote, wrote it in my iPhone, which is very unlike me. Yeah. I like to just stay in bed um, and not, you know, deviate from (laughs) trying to just lie there and switching it up in the middle of the night. (laughs) Um, But I'm glad I did write it down because I'm, I really, really love um, what I've come up with and I'm so excited to talk to you about it. All right, let's do it. So I have identified the common stages of breakup healing as devastation, denial, realization, Release and acceptance. I love this. So I, yeah, let's talk about each. So we're not only going to talk about each, but also um, how to navigate each, and how to cope with each, and how to maybe use each stage to get to the next stage, and yeah. you know, get put this put this behind you. So you Ooh, know, regardless of how much you relate to it, I hope that this helps um, people make progress on on their healing journey. I think it will. So the first one, devastation. Ooh, I think you're familiar by now if mm-hmm. you're listening to the podcast yes. <laughs> with this stage. Mm-hmm. So some of the thoughts that can come up during the devastation phase is what the fuck just happened? <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't see it coming. I'm blindsided. I think we can still work it out. Those are all common thoughts. Some maybe I, like, I can't believe they did this to me. Yeah. Thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's still, I feel like that's in, that's maybe in the denial one, you know, cause it's okay. like, I can't believe that they did this to me instead of like, it didn't happen. This oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Know? Yeah. Or there. Yeah. yeah. This is okay. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> You're probably no, right. Just, just for, uh, that's what I was, I mean, we, we were just working that out on air. Yes. Um, <laughs> So some actions that you may be finding yourself doing during mm-hmm. devastation phase is crying, self-medicating. Yep. Breakup brain, having having breakup brain. That'll definitely be happening right now. Being really easily triggered by, you know, seeing things around your town, on mm-hmm. social media. Songs. Songs. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Yeah, we need to return to our uh, breakup ballad. And I was thinking about it for this one, and yeah. then I kind of started overthinking which song to select. Oh, yeah, it, <laughs> but yeah, know, maybe it's... we should just start automatically doing it every other episode or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. So, what can help yourself when you're in this phase? Mm-hmm. Number one, you can indulge. You are yeah. allowed to indulge. Indulging in the ice cream in. Yeah all your coping mechanisms you know it's okay yeah I think making yourself just generally more comfortable during this time when you're you know 
in so much pain is, mm-hmm. is good. And I think sometimes, you know, we try to tell people what you should or shouldn't do in this phase and what's healthy or not healthy and, you know, give yourself, cut yourself some slack really. Exactly. Yeah. Another thing that can help is taking a day or days off of work. That breakup brain is going to make things really a struggle for you. And Mm -hmm. I argue that this is like being sick. You are not functioning well. Um, You're also probably not helping morale um, (laughs) at the company. (laughs) So, you know, consider taking some time off if you can. I know that that's a privilege and not everyone has Mm -hmm. access to that. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, but if you can consider it, it is a legitimate reason to need a day or two. Yeah. And maybe even plan ahead, you know, maybe calling in sick uh, last minute is maybe not accessible for some people, but hopefully, you know, you might be able to say, you know, I can't come yeah. in tomorrow or I need to take a long weekend or something. Yeah. Um, find a friend, um, preferably one you knew before the breakup. <laughs> Don't just find a new friend. I mean, you can. But I don't find know if someone you'd be in the right who, headspace for it. Yeah, <laughs> find someone who can be there for you, who can, mm-hmm. who can come over and bring you ice cream and mm-hmm. just listen to you and check be there in, to support you, know. you. Check in, yeah, any of those things. Um, yeah, do things to physically feel good. Like, yeah, we get it. You're going to be eating a lot of ice cream. I get it, but you know take yourself on your daily mental health walk. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, uh, so I mean, even like laying in bed with, you know, like a weighted blanket or taking a bath or taking extra naps or, um, you know, making sure that you're all bundled up or just anything that physically makes you more comfortable. There you go. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And one more? No contact. (laughs) (laughs) No contact. Um, Yeah, don't keep stabbing yourself in your wound. Um, That's a really helpful thing. I think during the devastation stage, you can you can do things that you might th- look back otherwise or look back after and think were a bit irrational. Yeah. And so I think making sure to not have contact with your ex is probably going to be something that you would be really, really glad that you that you did. Yeah, didn't that, you. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> so that was devastation. The next stage of breakup grief, denial. So this is when you might have thoughts such as they were the one I've never connected like that with anyone before. Mm. Maybe we can work it out. I, oh, yep. I don't want to block them in case they change their mind. Oh man. I'll denial. We can still be friends. And they have mental health issues and I need to be there for them. So Mm -hmm. regardless of how bad the breakup was or is, you know, you're telling yourself that, you know, you still, still need to have them around. So that's denial. So things that you might be doing during this stage, checking their social media, looking at old photos, reading old messages, 
bringing it up with friends yes. all of the time all of the time <laughs> that's okay we get oh it's it. definitely okay but I think you know you're trying I think people deep down want people to be like yeah you can work it out or you know it's yeah. gonna be all right you know they'll come around um and also that you're just you're bringing it into your reality over and over again yeah. um because you're not yeah you're not ready to because, accept yeah. what's happening exactly. and of course lamenting which is kind of all of this you know, yeah. um, I lost someone really great. You know, they were my best friend that these types of thoughts are, yeah. I think what happens during the denial stage. Mm -hmm. So what can help if you're going through this, making the list, <laughs> make the list. So as we often talk about after a breakup, especially when you're in this denial stage, it, you can very easily start to idealize the relationship. In fact, you probably are. Why else would you be in denial over it ending? It's yeah. because you thought it was so great or you are experiencing fading affect bias, which is when our brain holds on to the positive memories of something as a protective measure so that, mm -hmm. you know, we don't constantly, you know, relive all of the bad things. Yeah. And this can keep people really, really stuck after a breakup. And it, it breaks my heart to see this, but the list is where you literally write down things about the relationship that weren't working times that you guys maybe didn't get along, maybe times that they let you down, just generally things that that weren't that great. And it can be really hard to get started when you're in this stage. But if you can start with a list of 10 and keep going, it will yeah. start to come to you like you cannot believe. Yes. And there is a reason for this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I am a There's very a positive person. I would not normally suggest someone do some something like this to focus yeah. on the negative. But in this case, however, I have seen it change things for people. It changed things for me and my yeah. breakup. And you can actually, by making this list, start to feel extremely comforted by the fact that the breakup has happened. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you can have that list on your phone. So every time you start getting into a spiral of like, wow, they were so yeah. amazing. You can pull up the list and be like, oh, mm -hmm. yeah, A, B, yes. and C. Mm -hmm. good reasons uh that I yeah. don't want to be with this person and it yeah. can help you remember that when your brain doesn't want to go to that place currently mm -hmm. and remember those memories so yep and it, it it can it can bring you relief for sure um yeah Claire likes her phone I like to write right Mm, yeah. And, and I, you know, chuck it in your handbag or backpack and, you know, keep it with you. And, you know, you'll be, you might even start to kind of think of it as a bit of a game. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, oh yeah. You know, the time that, you know, they cut me down, you know, at Christmas dinner or what, you know, when they were late for something or, yeah. you know, things that you didn't like about them, such as they didn't wash their damn clothes hardly ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. Oh. Laundry boy. Yes. Um, uh. <laughs> you know, I want to, Oh, I guess I haven't actually brought this up for ages, but I made the list, um, during, um, my last breakup and, you know, it really had annoyed me that this guy just didn't seem to care about doing laundry and that he would <laughs> rewear things, not yeah. just jeans, like rewear a t-shirt, like multiple days yeah. in a row. You Ugh. can't really do that. Yeah. 
No, you can't. <laughs> it, it's, it starts to smell pretty quickly. Ah, um, yeah. And that, yeah. I mean, even like uh, we went on a road trip and so, you know, like driving oh, and, no. you know, he wore the same shirt two days in, in a, a row and I'm like, Please. That's an interesting choice. Yeah, I highly recommend going on a road trip with anyone you're dating because you'll you'll yeah. see them. <laughs> True, and I think he uh, only even packed two shirts, which I thought was really yeah. Weird. And you're like, oh, you chose this life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not like we had space limitations. You know, yeah. we had a car. Yeah, so. yeah. Not not no not space limitations to prevent bringing four shirts. Maybe exactly. And- <laughs> Right. Yeah, it's like it's not not crazy hard. Um, so that went on the list, dear listener. Yes. Yeah. And as it very well should. <laughs> Thank you, Claire. <laughs> so get out the list. I mean, it, can you hear the way you know that Claire and I are talking about it? This is what will happen once yeah. you start. And be like, oh yeah, oh yeah, and then this, and then they do this. <laughs> yeah. Um, you'll be so glad that you that you have it. Yeah. Definitely. So of course we want you to continue no contact during this time. We're the no contact gals or the no contact yeah. queens, right? The no contact <laughs> queens. Yes. We've been dubbed. We did not dub ourselves. <laughs> um, another something else that can happen during this time. This is a great time to begin to clear out your space yes. of things that remind you of them. Uh, things that are theirs, maybe things they gave you clearing out your space could be deleting or removing photos from your phone, delete the messages. I don't see any reason to keep all the messages. Just yeah, get rid of them. There might be something that reminds you of this person, whether or not it was theirs or they gave it to you, maybe, you know, get rid of that, put it somewhere and start to, you know, make it a space of your own that doesn't involve this this person. Yeah. That's so important. And I think during this time, you're still in quite a bit of pain. And I think this is where we could move to more healthy distractions than perhaps you were using during the devastation phase. Mm -hmm. Again, you need to do what you need to do to help yourself during this time. Um, but this might be where you start, Uh, you know, perhaps going on walks or picking up a project or, you know, like watching a positive show, maybe instead of wine or ice cream or extra sleeping, you know, it's different for everyone, but um, you might want to start thinking about that at this time. Yeah. Mm. Sounds good. Okay. Next stage realization. I love this one. Yeah. So you've been making your list, but maybe you know, it's, it's like you have your list and you need it as a reminder. This is when the list leads to more realizations. You start to, to have thoughts like, right. They were kind of shit to me. Mm-hmm. Ah. Um, or I don't know why I didn't end things sooner. You're like, it's wow. hard to believe, but yeah, you, people start to think these things. It's yeah, it's true. Um, because yeah, something that was like, maybe, maybe you were the dump E and like you hesitated for so long because you were worried about hurting this person and worried about whether you were making the right decision. And once you get to the realization phase, you start to 
realize, wow, actually, I've been feeling this way for a while. This was definitely the right choice. Yeah. And I could have done it sooner. <laughs> I've also seen people who were broken up with say, I should have been the one to end it. Yeah, mm. exactly. Yeah. Um, another one, I ignored so many red flags. We weren't actually that good for each other. I'm glad it ended. Um, and I'm really pissed that they did this to me, whether mm -hmm. this was the breakup or this was everything that led up to the breakup. Yeah. So some actions that'll help during this time. Journal that shit out. Yeah. <laughs> Journal it out. Handwriting is really best. I use my phone because it's with me everywhere. And so whenever I have a weak moment, <laughs> I can just look at it. Um, and I really cannot remember to bring anything but my phone most of the time. So that's just <laughs> different you know. strokes for different folks. <laughs> exactly. I'm not remembering to bring my journal to remind mm -hmm. me of my list, you know, mm -hmm. um, talking to a coach or a counselor, you know, I think that, uh, during the devastation phase, you'd probably be willing to try anything. Yeah. Um, but then I think that the, a lot a lot of progress can be made as you enter the realization phase. Yes. Um, and it can be confronting to realize yeah. all these things about the relationship that you thought was so great. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think uh, like, yeah, you can, you can get a coach or a counselor to help you move from denial to realization, but um, don't expect to see a lot of progress until you get into realization basically um another thing that can help is getting out more experience more life mm -hmm. the more new experiences you can have post breakup it's like you're speeding up time the reason why time heals all is because you gain more perspective and that mm -hmm. comes from having more experiences. So if you only go out once a month, it's going to take a lot longer um, mm -hmm. than maybe someone who's like, yeah, I've got this plan and I've got this plan and I'm doing a, like a solo Ypres love trip and then I'm doing this and like, you know, they they're speeding things up because it's really about experience. I think more than just arbitrary time passing mm -hmm. without doing anything else. Well, and you'll find that you want to get out more during this phase. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, another thing is making future plans, having things to look forward to mm -hmm. that is, you know, that's going to help you. And it's also going to be a sign that you're starting to get into the realization phase, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, other things that can help, you know, setting goals. Yes, definitely. Um, I have a client who's doing 75 hard. She's just starting it. Um, What's that? It's like a, it's like a self-improvement kind of gnarly workout program where for 75 days you do this. And it's like coupled with reading like self-help books and stuff like that. And you kind of like, you have to drink your water and you have to do your workout and you have to like get outside and walk and read and it's like cool. it's kind of it's a lot of like time and effort but you know some okay. people thrive with that sort of like nice okay container 75 hard All 75 right. hard it's good so set those goals yeah um and you can modify things and make it yours um <laughs> 
75 soft. 75 soft. Yeah, that's that's more of my jam. <laughs> I like a 75 soft. Um, all right. So um, exercise. Take care mm. of your body. You know, mm. these are sort of things like eating well, moving your body, getting sunlight. These are the things that you're going to feel better in general mm. if you do them. Even if you're like emotionally devastated still, but you're starting to realize things. Um, like you're going to feel better if you take care of yourself. Just yeah. chemically, your brain's gonna feel better. Your body's gonna feel better. You're gonna have more energy. You're gonna sleep better. Everything is gonna be better if you take care of yourself. Um, you know, like sometimes we'll, you know, if you have a pet or something, I'm sure you probably relate to wanting to give them the best food and, you know, not give them anything that's going to give them like diarrhea or something. And, you know, mm -hmm. you like really take care of them. And then sometimes we don't give ourselves that same like care and attention that yeah. we would for some, some, someone that we take care of. So, well, this is the, the time to start giving it to yourself. Yeah, this is mm -hmm. the time. Another thing that can help is leaning into your anger. Mm -hmm lean in like yeah. now you're starting to have realizations you're starting to realize how unfair and uncool yes. some things were lean into that it's okay it's not mm -hmm. you're not a bad person for being mad at your ex about some shit right. that they did or they yes. said like you it should. can help you make so much better decisions in the future and it helps you to get to the next stage it helps it helps you to move on um i think you know, we, we should talk, we should do an episode on anger because, um, yes. you know, it's oh God, become yeah. kind of a cliche, but you know, we really don't embrace it in quite maybe the healthiest way, especially in America, you yeah. know? Um, and I would, I was going to say, especially women, but that's actually not, not true at all. I mean, I think men struggle too, with how to appropriately, um, use and express, express their anger, anger yeah. in different ways than, than women can struggle with it, but yeah. you know, really it, it serves a purpose and this would be the stage to, yeah, get pissed off and messy. Yes. <laughs> So, and that doesn't mean showing up at your ex's house and yelling at him. I'm just saying, <laughs> no, like, just everyone be it, angry. <laughs> Don't well, also, take and, it out on yeah. anyone. <laughs> yes, I mean, because you're still looking to them yeah. to satisfy what you're going through. And you can't get no satisfaction mm -hmm. that way. Well, yeah. And also, how is that really helping to process the breakup when you're still yeah. relying so much on yeah. them? You're still externalizing exactly yeah um and then once again no contact just keep just keep not contacting uh yep so no contact yes okay so after you experience this realization of all of this what have I identified as the final stage of a breakup? And that would be release. So when you are in the release stage, you might have thoughts such as, I'm ready to move on. I know I will be okay. I am better off. I'm glad we broke up. And they are no longer in my life. 
And what you might find yourself doing during this time, one of the main things is not checking their social media. You might find that it's not as much of a desire of yours anymore. Mm -hmm. And, you know, likewise, you'll probably find that they're not on your mind quite as much. I would say you probably will notice that when you wake up in the morning, it's not on your mind. Yeah. Yeah. So what can help during this stage? Continuing to go no contact release is such an important part of the journey and combining that with still not contacting this person and you're going to turn a massive corner in in your breakup. I I think that sometimes people get to the stage and then think, oh, great. This means I can have contact with them now. Yeah. No. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I guess release mm. it's it's not past tense. It's it's an action for oh, yes. that continues. Yes, very much so. Other things that can help during this time, taking a solo trip, you know, really recognizing that you are now single and that, you know, the world is your oyster mm. and doing something that is exciting and fun and special that is just with you and just for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, imagine getting to the releasing stage and then taking a trip and then coming back and just thinking, wow, yeah, you know, I can do anything. I can do anything. And also, if you've never taken a solo trip, you might find that it was even better without your partner. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Because then you just, you know, um, our episode with Kelly, I forgot what number, but one of the things she said, she's like, when you're traveling with a partner and something goes wrong, it can kind of spiral out of control and everyone's like emotions are involved. But when you're on a solo trip and something goes wrong, she's she's found and I think I would agree that it's kind of like, oh, well, I guess I'm making a new plan now and you just make a new plan and there's no like, there's no blame or feelings and things Mm -hmm. like that involved. You kind of are like, Oh, I guess I'm not doing that guided tour. I'm doing (laughs) something else now. Yeah. And I don't have to sit here and talk it over and see what we both want to do. I also think people who aren't used to solo travel don't really understand the freedom that can come from just waking up on your holiday and just thinking to yourself, what do I feel like doing? If you're so used to making every decision with someone else, uh, you don't know that it is a great feeling and it is so relaxing. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. so relaxing, you know, and it's like we grow up in families where everyone else's opinion matters. Yeah. And then like I think society conditions um, like female presenting people especially to be always concerned and checking in with how everyone else is and feels about situations and Mm -hmm. it's kind of like your own opinion comes second to those Mm -hmm. around you um yeah I know I've planned I'm the planner in all like (laughs) all my relationships (laughs) and I know that I've planned trips for you know either me and my friends or me and my partner in the past and yeah if something went wrong just this feeling of total responsibility for the experience of everyone else because you know I was the one who had put it together and it's not a vacation it's not no especially knowing how good it can be job Mm -hmm. I'm working not everyone feels that way but regardless of what type of personality you are taking yourself on a trip 
is, um, you know, freeing and liberating and a great way to start this next chapter. Another good way to start the next chapter of your life, redecorate. I think redecorating is a great thing to do when you're releasing somebody, you know, really saying this space is mine and this is what I want it to look like. And this is regardless if you lived with the person or not, what we're doing with this stage is deciding is, is, um, welcoming in a new life. Yes. So even if you hadn't lived together, it could still be really useful to, you know, kind of freshen up your space and make it new. Yeah. Get and those new sheets. <laughs> yeah. Claire, yeah, I, I love this. Yeah. Get new, <laughs> get completely new bedding, you know, yeah. paint your bedroom walls, get a canopy, but I'm going to be get. I want to yeah. put up the little plastic glow in the dark stars in my room. (laughs) So uh, that might not float everyone's boat, Um, but you know, little, little things like that. Yes. New, 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 new. Yes. And this might also be the stage where you do a vision board for your future. Yes. Vision board. Highly recommend you seem to love podcasts because you're here and you're still listening to this one. So Mm -hmm. You know, if you have voice notes or something on your phone, or if you want to get fancier and, you know, actually edit an audio file, you can make an audio vision board where you talk about your future but in the present tense. Be like, I'm so grateful that I have an amazing balcony to drink my coffee on every morning. And I love this about my life and this about my life, you know, talk about it in the present tense and yeah, there's so many things pictures. (laughs) I like that. Um, you know, I, I've heard that some people give, um, do voice notes to themselves, like at the beginning of each day to set Mm -hmm. an intention for the day. I I don't do that, but I, you know, it resonates with me. Maybe I'll, you know, do it someday. Um, I want to refer people to episode 78 of X-Files. And that is use your breakup to manifest a new beginning. Oh, yeah. Claire and I go through all of these different exercises and techniques and um, new practices that you can use to really, really start the next chapter of your life. So check that out. That was a that was a fun episode. That was the first episode that we did in 2022. (gasps) Oh, my God. Yeah. Go us. Oh, I was just about to say that too. (laughs) Okay. So release a huge part of the process. And then the final stage, of course, being acceptance. Acceptance. Mm -hmm. Acceptance. And I think, I think, you know, you know what acceptance is Mm -hmm. and yeah. And I just want to say everyone is going to get there. You're going to get there. You're going to get to the stage where not only do you accept it, but you've also released it and you're also protecting your boundaries now. You have appropriate reactions to the things that this person has done in your life. Like you're you're going to get there. And, and I, yeah. yeah. And then it's not really as much a matter of, you know, like how can, what can you do to help? I mean, now this yeah. is, where you just all of a sudden one day you're like doing the dishes and it just occurs to you like, Oh my God, I haven't even thought about this or, or just the fact that you don't think about it and you're just really loving, loving being single. And it's really, really in the rear view mirror. 
It's yes, mm -hmm. yes. And so I think acceptance is the ultimate goal. <sighs> yeah, mm -hmm. and can't wait to watch everyone get there in their own time, in their own way. But yep. I think these stages do apply to um, to people's process. And I think, you know, you can go back and forth, I think, between stages. So yes. that's important. You, mm -hmm. you know, I don't feel like you've done something wrong if you seem to be sliding back into devastation yes. from mm -hmm. Well, and we talked about this in the no contact episode, you know, we know that no contact you know, helps you move through the process, but part mm -hmm. of the process sometimes is, you know, having what you might call a slip up or doing yeah. something that, you know, you might've done differently, you know, when you wake up the next morning <laughs> yeah, and think about like, it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And that would be probably, you know, one very classic example is, uh, you know, breaking no contact and then kind of slipping back into one of the previous stages, but then using it, you know, to launch yourself forward yeah. ultimately. Yes, mm -hmm. definitely. So, so just to recap, we've got devastation, denial, realization, release, and acceptance. So good. Hmm. So no matter where you are in your own grieving and healing process, we are here for you. So make sure to scroll back through our back catalog. We probably have an episode that is perfect for your unique breakup circumstances. Mm -hmm. We are over a hundred episodes in now, mm -hmm. and each one of these episodes was made with you in mind and usually based off of questions we've received. Yeah, so I'm just scrolling through now. And really everyone, this is a resource for you. Yeah. If you're struggling with your breakup, go start scrolling and start selecting episodes. Yeah. But I mean, we could call this the X-Files encyclopedia, really. Mm. Um, oh, that's cute. Maybe we should. Yeah. <laughs> Rebranding. <laughs> um, we like just rebranded, but um, <laughs> yeah. And also please, please, please remember, you know, this was all of this was based on my slash our experience as coaches and helping people through the process. Always remember the power of one-on-one -on -one support. Yeah. We have openings in our coaching schedule and would be thrilled to connect with you, not only to put this behind you, but end up even better than you were before the breakup. Yes, 100%. Because if, you know, if someone chooses, chooses to go, and chooses to end things, I know you will eventually see and you will eventually accept that it it couldn't have been as perfect for you as you mm -hmm. thought it was um, when the breakup first happened. Like, I think mm -hmm. that's, that's the big, the big message here is what, what doesn't work for one person cannot be working for the other person totally. as well. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. um, so yeah, so we are here to help. We're ready. Um, if you need more support than just this podcast, you can book with either of us. Just DM us mm -hmm. in the um, X-Files podcast Instagram um, and we'll send you some information on coaching. We have it linked in the show notes. We also have our Patreon linked in the show notes. If you'd like to give us a little bit of support month to month, we yeah. would you know, be excited to connect with you there as well. And other than that, we'll see you back here next Tuesday.
Thank you for listening to X-Files, a podcast about breakups, broken hearts, and moving on. If you liked this episode, please help others find us by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or by following the show on Spotify. And if you'd like to connect more with us and learn about breakup coaching, find us on Instagram at X-Files Podcast.